We are back, and this is hour two of Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin. And in this hour, we are talking about your health and how your health and your mortality rate uh, is determined not only by the things that you can control, but also by the politics of your state. Uh, and joining me in this hour is Dr. Daniel Skinner. He's an associate professor of health policy at Ohio University. And Dr. Rob Crane, he's the president of Preventing Tobacco Addiction Foundation. Uh, thank you both, Dr. Skinner and Dr. Crane, for joining me in this hour. This is such a fascinating topic for me because, you know, uh, we hear so often about the things that we should be doing to extend our life, uh, taking walks, exercising regularly, eating more plant-based foods, drinking less uh, you know, alcohol on the weekends, getting more sleep. All of these things we're told uh, that can improve our overall health and extend our life expectancy. Now there's this uh, thing that we can't control, i.e. politics and the color of the state that we live in uh, that has uh, seemingly as great of an impact on our life expectancy as those things that we can control. So Dr. Skinner, help us understand uh, what research tells us about life expectancy and its relationship to living in a red or blue state. Well, it's great to be here, Aviva. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, all those things you mentioned are, of course, important. Um, diet, exercise, and we don't want to undownplay those things, of course. But what we're increasingly realizing is that the decks are stacked against us um, on, a, on a very high level within, you know, determined by what state politics uh kind of how they pre-structure things for us and what state legislatures do. And if you look across um, the country at outcomes data, it becomes very clear. Um, as a country, we don't do great on many health metrics, but when you start to get down into state-by-state -state comparisons and even neighborhood-to-neighborhood -neighborhood comparisons, you start to really be able to tell the story of this country and what determines who's sick and who's healthy. So, Dr. Clear, we heard a lot about this during the height of the pandemic. We heard a lot in the context of, you know, which states were uh, where you had residents taking the vaccines, uh, where we had uh, large swaths of people who were rejecting the vaccine. There were studies done about, you know, how many people of a different demographic breaking down by race as well as by states were dying in greater numbers because of how they responded to the coronavirus. But I guess I hadn't thought about it much outside of COVID and the vaccines. But I guess this study or these studies that have been done extend you know, far beyond just our responses or different states' responses to COVID-19. Dr. Crane, we don't have your audio. Let me try that one more time. Arriva, Great. thank you. There you are. Thank you. And uh, uh, again, we want to look at the public health aspects that go beyond just the COVID vaccine. The focus I have is on cigarette smoking and tobacco. And we know that we lose about a half a million Americans every single year to smoking. And that, that course, that's greater than all the number of other preventable causes of death. And so recently, a Washington Post team looked at how different states with different political perspectives 
had results based on their treatment of tobacco taxes, just that one aspect. Mm -hmm. And they looked at uh, uh, three contiguous counties in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York that happened to be right along the lake there and all together, but had incredibly different outcomes from their health, not only based on how many people were smoking, but actually on their death rates. And what they saw most evident was, of course, that the tax rates on tobacco were much lower in Ohio than they were in New York State. And where that money was then invested that came from the tobacco taxes and tobacco cessation and prevention really seemed to make a difference. So, okay, that's in the context of tobacco. Uh, Dr. Skinner, are there any other particular, uh, you know, health conditions that have been studied where you see these big disparities, again, looking at places like those counties in Ohio versus, say, uh, some super liberal blue counties in a place like California. Yeah, Ariva, in almost every category, you find this. I mean, it's really stunning. Um, you know, obviously, housing is a huge crisis in California, and it's a, it's a crisis here in, in Ohio and in New York. Um, but, you know, Homelessness appears to have very different effects depending on the kinds of supports and the other kinds of policies that are in place in these states. So if you're looking at, you know, things like infant mortality, suicide, firearm homicides and homicides generally, um, we talked about COVID um, across the board, states like New York and California, which not perfect, of course, there's there's a lot to criticize. Um, they perform better than a state like my state of Ohio or Dr. Crane's state. And so the, the, the data is so compelling that you have to look somewhere else other than, you know, at things like behaviors and lifestyles and, and those kinds of uh, indicators. So, Dr. Green, let's step back for a minute. What is the average life expectancy of a man versus a woman in the United States? And how much of a difference are you seeing in this research between that man and woman that might live in one of these liberal counties in California versus living in one of these red counties in Ohio? Right. So we've been looking at the death rates, per se, not so much the life expectancy, but the death rate in, for instance, the states which are controlled primarily by Republican or conservative legislatures, as opposed to those states which are controlled primarily by uh, Democratic legislatures, there's a 16% difference wow. in death rates. Now, that's a substantial amount uh, just based on the politics of the legislature and how much they're investing in public health and education and welfare and the other things that we all know make a, di a difference. It turns out that this conservatism tends to be pennywise and pound foolish. And so that so oh, that is huge, sixteen percent difference in death rates. And Dr. Crane, is there any research in terms of what these people are dying of? Do do we know? Is there any particular uh, health condition? Or you say like heart attacks or you know cancer or like what what's killing people, people in these red that, states? There, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's those things which are related to better health care, the poverty. So we know the cancer treatment is different. We know that exposure to uh, bad environmental influences are different. We know that heart disease is different. Lung cancer, lung disease is different. That poverty and investment in infrastructure makes a difference. And that's where we see this across the board, as Dr. Skinner has said. 
so Dr. So Sam, Dr. Sam, I know that uh, Dr. Crane said his work is looking at death rates, not life expectancy. Have you done any research or do you know what, again, the, the average life expectancy is of a man and a woman in the U.S. and how it differs based on uh, the politics of the state where they live? Yeah. So, I mean, just to take your example, since you're in California, shout out to my friends in L.A., by the way, uh, you know, about five year, about a five year gap in life expectancy between California and Ohio. And of course, it's speaking very broadly. We need to talk about disparities within those numbers. That's a really important part of the conversation. Um, but you're talking high 70s, 79, you know, or, or some somewhere around there. But in Ohio, it's closer to about 75, right? So you're, you're talking about big years uh, missing in people's lives that are resulting from these kind of indicators. And the, it runs the gamut, as, as Dr. Crane suggested. I mean, of course, uh, our policies around things like, you know, food and uh, you know, sugary drinks and things like that matter. Smoking's huge. As the article that Dr. Crane mentioned uh, before points out, seatbelt laws in, in, in Ohio are extremely poor. You're much more likely to die from a car accident in Ohio than you are right over the border in Pennsylvania. Um, those are changing slowly. Luckily, um, you know, in Ohio, we have some advocates. Governor DeWine uh, lost a daughter to a car accident some 30 years ago, and, and that's really made him a champion of these kinds of policies. So experience matters, whether you treat it as something that's really affecting actual human beings, as opposed to some kind of ideological question, is, is a really big um, detail to, to pay attention to. In terms of the year, Dr. Crane, did this kind of research become available? Because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if, if this information is so readily available, uh, you know, what? how is it being used? Are elected officials in these states cognizant of it? And are they taking it into consideration as they are thinking about how they enact policies and laws in their state? So is this, you know, has this research been around for decades? Yes, indeed. We've known about these disparities within populations and across political boundaries for quite some time. I realize that our uh, politicians tend to blame the victims and uh, and don't indeed take uh, responsibility for the policy decisions they're making and the changes in expenditure. They keep saying we need to cut, cut, cut the discretionary spending and that that will raise everybody up. But it turns out that doesn't work. And I think that the proof is in the pudding. And this article, I think, really points it out so well. They spent four or five months researching this particular article. And I think it's nice to see it in, in real time in a real press as opposed to some sort of scientific study. Yeah, I mean, and it was the article, the Washington Post article that you're making reference to that I saw that caught my attention because, I don't know, maybe, as you said, this is information that's been available to, in, in scientific circles uh, and maybe even other circles, but having it in the Washington Post that's read by, you know, people across this country, I, I think it was, was jarring for me to really think about it. And, and this information, as you just said, Dr. Crane, has been available to elected officials or people who run for office, people who are in office for decades now. Are, are you seeing, Dr. Skinner, any state, red state that may uh, have these disparities because of its policies, taking the research that's available and trying to correct itself, trying to enact some policies that would 
lessen this five-year you know, difference in mortality rate or this 16% uh, difference in death rates? I think my, my state and Dr. Crane's state of Ohio is a really interesting case. As I mentioned, we have a governor who uh, has made public health uh, and ch- uh, you know, child health. And to be clear, DeWine is a Republican, right? He's a Republican. And I mean, Ohio, is things- it considered a red state? As yeah. Well as I mean, it's not, you know, uh, some people want to believe it's purple, but uh, it's it's been pretty red for a while. And, you know, but Governor DeWine came into office and made child health and maternal health, um, you know, a huge part of his mission, stated mission, and has invested a lot. And I think our Medicaid program in many ways is one is is, is um, ahead of the curve in many areas. Um, you know, when you unless you're talking about re- reproductive politics, you're talking about abortion, or you're talking about guns, you can't, we can't talk about those things seriously in Ohio. Those are just, you know, the governors, those are the the the, the black boxes we can't go to. Uh, I, I think they are making lots of investments here. Now, the governor is far, in my view, is far more reasonable and open to public health and is finding, is following evidence far more than um, the, the legislators who are driving the discussion in our state house. I mean, these are people who are Captured by various industries, whether it's tobacco or you know uh, any any number of industries that keep us from being able to pass meaningful legislation. We're not even allowed to ban plastic bags in municipalities. There are all sorts of laws, whether it's gun control or our regulation of water, that are just simply off the table because the state has superseded local activities. Okay, so and I'm sitting here thinking. Kudos to DeWine on some levels, but as you said, you can't even talk about abortion or gun control. And we know, uh, particularly the gun issue, how many people die because of senseless gun violence. And if we just had some common sense regulation and laws on guns, we could save so many lives. And we've seen all these horror stories now about women who uh, are denied access to health care, i.e. abortion care and the deadly consequences that that can cause. But Dr. Crane, if you're in one of these red states that is controlled by a Republican legislature, even if you have a, and I'm not gonna call DeWine progressive, but if you have uh, what uh, Dr. Skinner said, I guess someone who's more reasonable on public health policies, what can that governor do if the state's legislature, which is the governing body that's you know actually passing the laws, developing and passing the laws has, this anti-public health mentality. Well, I think one of the things we discovered, uh, and we call our our, our legislative uh, leaders here in the Caveman Caucus, uh, that we have to go around them. And as for instance, what I've been working on for the last uh, twenty years is to raise the age of sale for cigarettes and other nicotine products. We've been successful, but not by going through state legislatures. We've always started locally whether it was in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Chicago or Columbus, uh, we went to city councils. And frankly, we sit across from somebody who's a, you know, a principal at the high school or a school nurse or, or you know, just a mom uh, taking care of kids at home. They listen to you and that's on that city council. So as a, for instance, uh, even though the state legislature would never move on this, uh, 10 months ago, we managed to outlaw menthol cigarettes and all flavored nicotine products in the city of Columbus. It's a million people. We're going to do the same thing in Cleveland and Cincinnati, and then a number of suburban communities who are purplish around Columbus and the other larger cities. 
we'll be doing the same. That's what we did for Tobacco 21, mm -hmm. and that's what we do for menthol tobacco. And I think a number of other public health issues have to be, has to be woven carefully because the legislature can go in and preempt. Right. Really make a difference because public health almost always starts locally. Yeah. Well, uh, when we come forward, continue. We're going to continue this conversation about how your life expectancy uh, can be impacted by the color of the state that you live in. If you are in a red state, you might have a 16% uh, or you may be 16% more likely to die than someone that is in a blue state. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and we're talking about how the politics of your state can actually impact your mortality. Uh, state lawmakers gained autonomy over how to spend federal safety net dollars following Republican President Ronald Reagan's push to empower the states in the 1980s. Now, those investments began to diverge sharply along red and blue lines with conservative lawmakers often balking at public health initiatives they said that cost too much or were an overstep by the federal government. As a result, today, people in the South and Midwest regions largely controlled by Republican state legislatures have increasingly higher chances of dying prematurely compared with those in the more democratic Northeast and Northwest. Now, this is according to uh, a analysis done by the Washington Post as it relates to death rates. And I'm joined by Dr. Skinner and Dr. Crane. And, you know, we were talking a lot about Ohio and you guys were giving a lot of credit to Governor DeWine of Ohio. But this article that we've been talking about, this Washington Post article says that Ohio is sticks out, but they say for all the wrong reasons that roughly one in five residents in the state of Ohio will die before they turn 65. Uh, and this was according to uh, the analysis done using the state's 2019 death rates. And again, they point to the fact that the legislature has been increasingly dominated by Republicans and that uh, the life expectancy rates has plummeted in the state of Ohio. I think this article says that the death rate or the uh, mortality rate now in Ohio uh, is at the bottom fifth of states during the last 50 years. Okay, uh, Dr. Skinner, jump in. And, you know, you guys were really touting DeWine, DeWine Governor DeWine, is, is being progressive on these issues. This article, hmm, not so kind to your yeah. governor or to your state. So, Ariva, I want to be really careful here. Uh, I I am in no way calling uh, Mike DeWine a progressive. Okay. Uh, you know, look, I, I think you give credit where credit is due. The 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 point, and we live in a state where we have a lot of Republicans. So, what what we're looking for, and I'm guessing Dr. Crane's looking for, are is anybody we can partner with for public health who does the right thing for whatever reason it might be. Sometimes uh, people become advocates for public health because it's a smart thing to do to balance the budget. Um, you know, Governor Kasich, before Governor DeWine, also a Republican, fought tooth and nail to expand Medicaid in our state. It was a hugely, hugely important thing that states like Florida and Texas and other states in the South have not done, and people have suffered as a result. So, you know, certainly this is not about um, calling people progressive or anything like that. It's about doing what's most important to me as a political scientist, noting that the main reason we have government 
is to make people's lives easier, is to lift us up, right? And we have good examples of states where they have not done that in key ways. We do that in Ohio in key ways. I would argue that the abortion laws that uh, we've that some of the legislatures uh, legislators have tried in the past would do that. Our gun laws are extremely unhelpful, right? There are all sorts of ways in which we've failed as a state. So we, I don't want to take it too far today. But I do think we want to talk a little bit about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And then the crisis of democracy in our state that makes it hard to do better. Yeah, uh, this article, uh, Dr. Crane says that Ohioans have a similar life expectancy to residents of uh, Slovakia and Ecuador. So really poor countries. But I guess the good news is that hasn't always been the case. I guess at one point, life expectancy in Ohio was comparable to that in California. Uh, and then this divergence started. I, I guess I'm thinking about all the people that live in red states. What do they do? I mean, you have these legislators that reject government aid. I've been reading a lot of articles where red states won't expand Medicaid. Uh, they I, Idaho, I was just reading, uh, they provide the mandatory care for postpartum uh, for women after having birth. And there's an opportunity to expand it to provide more care for women. They refuse to do so. Uh, There are states that refuse to even accept some of the money that came from the federal government as a result of of the COVID-19 crisis, because, again, it was coming from a Democratic president. I mean, so people's lives are being impacted by these really partisan decisions that are made by elected officials. So I guess the question, Dr. Crane, is what can someone do that's sitting in Ohio or Idaho or one of these states where the Republicans have just decided they don't want any help from the federal government, particularly if there is a Democrat sitting in the White House? Well, I think, of course, you see the really terrible effect that gerrymandering has, especially in Ohio and other states uh, where the partisan divide doesn't allow a compromise, doesn't allow this sense of cooperation across party lines, especially in Ohio, where the difference between Republican and, and Democrats in terms of the actual population is maybe five or six percent, but that the uh, overwhelming majority, two thirds majority in both houses uh, are elected because of gerrymandering. And that has led to this race to the bottom or to the far right for those who are running in primaries across our state that makes them much more reactionary, much more difficult to talk in real terms to. And getting past that is something we'll be striving to do next year in Ohio, where we're going to have a constitutional amendment to uh, somehow, at least some way, uh, impact gerrymandering. And as Dr. Skinner alluded to, uh, the abortion issue is also going to have an effect on our politics. Uh, in about three weeks now, we'll have a vote in Ohio on a, a constitutional amendment for Ohio that would bring back uh, Roe versus Wade or overturn Dobbs, as it were. And uh, along with it, there's been an outpouring, and uh, Dr. Skinner's better at this than I, of uh, young progressives who have signed up to vote, who are energized, who understand what's at risk uh, for them. And I'm hoping that that will begin to turn this tide, and then a year from now when we have a constitutional amendment to end gerrymandering or at least impact it, that that will also affect. Dr. Skinner? 
Yeah, no, weigh in, Dr. Skinner. Yeah, I mean, well, abortion's a huge issue here. And it, again, we've talked about state outcomes. And, you know, I, we, we need to go back through these outcomes and talk about, uh, you know, the disparities within them. Right. So the Washington Post piece focused on an extremely white county in, in northwest Ohio, northeast Ohio, excuse me. Um, but if you look at infant mortality, you look at maternal mortality, you look at cancer, you look across the board, COVID, um, you will find extraordinarily uh, extraordinary uh, discrepancies, disparities between black and brown and white folks in, in Ohio. So that's a huge part of the story. And abortion is a huge part of that as well. You know, we, we are a state that has a safety net that is underfunded, that um, is constantly at threat, uh, under threat of becoming more defunded, and different people are differently vulnerable. You can drive on your bike 10 minutes south from my house, and I live in a very white neighborhood, and life expectancy will drop about 15 years. It's extraordinary. Now, actually, I would just say, Ohio is not all that different than many American cities, uh, states and cities, but still, uh, that that's where that's the frame that we're working with here. You know, I, I interviewed some folks a couple of months ago about that initiative that's on coming up in three weeks for vote in Ohio and how white women in suburbs throughout Ohio were very instrumental in registering voters and helping voters understand what was at issue uh, and fighting back against those Republicans that decided to have that election in the middle of the summer after they said we shouldn't have these kinds of special elections. Uh, and who were trying to confuse the voters about this initiative altogether. So I, I know there's a movement happening in Ohio, particularly around this reproductive freedom issue. But I, I'm just curious, Dr. Gray, why do you think some of these other health issues hasn't had the same impact in terms of galvanizing voters? I mean, abortion and the anti-abortion advocates have caused the pro-choice advocates to really uh, come together in strange places like Missouri and Ohio and to fight back against efforts to, you know, get politicians control inside women's wombs and controlling what we do with our bodies. But when we come forward, I want to talk about how come some of these other stats that we've been talking about today that are equally as shocking to me and startling, uh, how come they haven't had that same impact in terms of galvanizing voters? And particularly young voters, uh, when well, we come forward. It's a phenomenal. Hold that thought uh, when we come forward, right here on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and I'm talking to Dr. Daniel Skinner. He's an associate professor of health policy at Ohio University, and Dr. Robert Crane, president of Preventing Tobacco Addiction Foundation. And we're talking about uh, red states and blue states and how the state where you live based on its politics can impact your health and your life expectancy. And, uh, you know, in this Wash Post article that we've been talking about throughout this hour, uh, they cite a couple who's living in Ohio and the debate that incur occurred in Ohio when uh, indoor smoking bans were put into place in the mid 2000s. Uh, and it was a husband and wife on the opposite sides. The wife feeling good about and supporting the indoor smoking ban. Her husband, who didn't even smoke at the time, opposing it, making the comment that government doesn't belong in people's individual health. And we hear that a lot from conservatives and Republicans who say, uh, government should not be involved in health. Uh, I've heard some 
uh, Republican nonprofit leaders say that, you know, the safety net should be provided by charities and by church organizations, but it's not the purview of government. And I scratch my head at the hypocrisy of those kinds of statements, because these are the same people who have been fighting in many instances for decades to overturn Roe v. Wade to put the government in the business of determining women's reproductive rights, but on these issues of extending Medicaid or uh, you know, by putting the smoking ban in place, seatbelt bans, et cetera, they then say, oh no, that's too much government and government shouldn't be making decisions for us when in reality, government makes decisions for us all day, every day. The red light is a decision by government that cars should stop at a corner. You know, the speeding sign on a road is a decision by the government that we should drive at 45 versus 105. So I'm really irritated and frustrated by those very hypocritical arguments. And that's played out a lot when we're talking about how far should government go in terms of providing uh, for the safety net. So, uh, Dr. Cranner, you want to jump in on this comment about how come we didn't see the same energy around some of these other health issues as we're seeing around the abortion, the abortion issue. Well, I think the abortion issue hit us in the face uh, with the ending of Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs decision. The rest of this has been a death by a thousand cuts. Comes on slowly. I mean, literally 25 years ago, Ohio looked like California. Ohio was a blue state back then, I'll say that. But that change over time, uh, again, gerrymandering and hyper-conservatism and this complete rejection of the sense that we are working together to protect each other protect our kids, protect our health, protect our workers, uh, has been lost. I mean, I was part of that movement that helped to lead it when we took Ohio smoke-free. And that that election we had in 2004 was contentious. And I got death threats and horrible things. And, and uh, you know, we won by about uh, 8%. If you were to do that vote again today, we win by 80%. Mm-hmm. Because realize that they didn't have to walk into a restaurant or a bar and come out smelling like that. Uh, It's a function of getting people used to the fact that there are protections that really benefit everybody. And I'm glad you said that because one of the things that the Wash Post article does is it gives these real life stories of people who lost loved ones to lung cancer as a result of smoking and, you know, uh, other kinds of chronic diseases, diabetes and uh, heart disease. So real people, Dr. Skinner, have been impacted. They've had to bury their loved ones. They've seen their loved ones die at 58 and 59 years old from chronic diseases that could have been prevented uh, had they had access to better health care or access uh, you know, to a safety net that doesn't exist in some of these red states. So what is it that caused people to vote for these legislators that continuously enact policies that are adverse to their own health? Yeah, I mean, part of it is just a, a lack of um, you know, participatory spirit and and actually paying attention to what the issues are. I remember when I first moved here in Ohio after Governor Kasich was elected, and one of his first acts was to really go after some unions. And I had a student come up to me at the university where I was working at the time and said, 
I can't believe he's doing these things. That it's just I'm so upset. And I said, this is what he said he was going to do, you know. And 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 that that kind of thing happens a lot. But people's experiences matter. I mean, you don't realize how lucky we are to have good governance until you have bad governance. Mm-hmm. And experience, as I mentioned, Governor DeWine losing his, his daughter was really meaningful. Like people who experienced COVID, uh, the, the COVID regret. Um, senator Portman, our former senator, his, his son came out as gay. And it changed Senator Portman's view about marriage equality. It shouldn't take our own family member experiencing something. We should have the moral ability to imagine what would it be like to be that person and then treat people accordingly? And I th- I think that's why I see what Ohio's situation, I-, I see us in a real moral crisis. Yeah, and I guess, you know, moving forward, these numbers are only going to get worse. And we see the partisan divide in this country getting, you know, larger. The gap is just growing larger and larger and larger. And Republicans, the party is becoming more and more extreme. And Governor DeWine, you know, there are very few and far, you know, folks like him in the Republican Party are, you know, becoming fewer and fewer. And to win in Republican districts, uh, it seems like you've got to be one of these extreme MAGA type Republicans or else you're not going to make it through the primary, even though a lot of those uh, candidates, once they get through the primary, can't win a general election. But in light of that and the growing partisan divide, do you see any evidence outside of Ohio, uh, Dr. Crane, that uh, the safety net issues, the health issues, the mortality rate issues uh, can be detangled or, or decoupled from some of these other, you know, political issues that's driving the extremism on the right. Well, what I think you see is the, that the rise of the young progressive, and that is coming our way. It's you know a, a change in the demographics of not just Ohio but the rest of the country. And as that demographic begins to swell, I think we'll see changes that will benefit not just public health but uh, investments in in welfare and poverty and the other things that that drive life expectancy. That's at least what we hope for. We'll have to see what happens. We have an election coming up now that 50-50 MAGA versus uh, Biden. And uh, so uh, we can only cross our fingers. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about this new, you know, what we'll call millennials and Gen Z because they are Uh, have a different mindset, even on the issue, not just of abortion, but guns. You said that's a subject matter that's kind of off limits in Ohio politics. But younger people who are having to go to school and be in active shooter drills, learn what to do in the event of an active shooter. I mean, things that didn't happen 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, they are not going to tolerate legislators who refuse to enact common sense gun laws, who refuse to recognize the bodily autonomy of women. Uh, We're seeing that all over the country in places like Ohio and red states like my home state of Missouri. Uh, But until we have more of them voting than we have of baby boomers voting, uh, what do we do, Dr. Skinner? We, I mean, I educate. I'm an educator. That's what I do. We, talk, we need to get these issues out there. We need to have real, honest, and long conversations like the one we're having here today. I will tell you, I mean, I'm not you know, prone to too much um, you know, optimism and hope, but I will say, <laughs> as a medical educator, my students today 
are thinking about disparity and vulnerability uh, more than they were 10 years ago, a lot more. Mm -hmm. George Floyd's murder had a huge effect on what we did at the medical school. And our students are learning about racial disparities. They are learning about diabetes and chronic other chronic conditions and how it's not just about the state or the country. It's about which neighborhood you live in and which school you go to and what you eat and what you have access to. So I, I think that there there is slow change, but we are in a big hole and it's going to be hard to get out of it. Well, I wish we had more time because I'd love to talk to you about why you aren't more optimistic. But uh, it sounds like you have some great students in your class, and I am encouraged by that as well. And we are in a big hole, and getting out of a hole takes a long time, and it's going to take you know tremendous will and dedication. And I thank both of you, Dr. Skinner and Dr. Crane, for the work that you both are doing and have been doing for decades. And you're right, we need more honest conversations about these issues and we need more public awareness and education uh, because we can't give up, we can't go back and we can't let those that would seek to deny access to public health and seek to deny those uh, who are in the most need in this country not have it. So again, thanks for you both joining me today and for the advocacy that you both are engaged in to change the health trajectory and lives of not just folks in Ohio, but really folks across this country. All right, we are out of time. The next voice that you hear will be Robin Ayers and the Raw Report right here on KVLA Talk 1580. Don't touch that dial.